Hello, I'm Faisal Pervez, a South Asia analyst here at Stratfor, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, our premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. really wrote it just as much for the up-and-coming practitioners to give them insights to how much you're going to be away from your family. You're going to dedicate yourself to this as a profession. Uh, Others will pay a price for that. Welcome to the Stratfall Podcast, focused on geopolitics and world affairs from stratfall.com. I'm your host, Ben Sheen. You've seen the pictures and watched the films. A senior government official flanked by Secret Service agents. A music star accompanied by bodyguards. You might recognize who's being protected, but who are the people doing the protecting? In this episode of the Stratfall podcast, Chief Security Officer Fred Burton speaks with Michael Trott, author of The Protected. Informed by a lifetime spent at the cutting edge of executive protection, The Protected is a book, almost a handbook, for the professionals who typically serve behind the scenes for the people taking center stage. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and we're here today with Michael W. Trott. And Michael has written a good book called The Protected, an informative and strategic view inside the world of executive protection. Mike, how are you today? Fred, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you and Stratford for inviting me to this podcast. I appreciate that very much. Oh, it's our pleasure. As you and I know, this topic is one that I think folks have absolutely no idea what really goes on behind the scenes when you're protecting the rich and famous. So talk a little bit about the structure of your book and, and what are the some of the key takeaways? As you said, you know, the industry of executive protection or close protection is kind of a close hold topic, if you will. And for obvious reasons, we don't like to disclose too much about our, our principles or the industry as a whole. Um, so, Fred, naturally, as you, as you know as well, there's not that many books really written on executive protection for those reasons. I think if I go back a few years when I started thinking about writing this book, I wanted to focus on the sort of the items or the topics that are not usually included in these types of books. And what you typically find are books that are written about the how, a lot about the how, and those are important for practitioners. But I think, oddly enough, the one topic or the one audience member that's left out most often would be the principles themselves. So taking you know, 10, 15, 20 years of, of talking to different principles, it seems like they're, they have more questions than practitioners, which led me to believe that they need to be a really big part of this book and a big part of the topic. So when I looked at how I would write it and how I would construct it, I thought about all the different things that principals might want to learn and want to know about their own protection and about the industry that itself. And I think at the end of the book, if you will, it's who's doing this kind of work? Who are the individuals who are dedicating themselves to protecting them? Where do they come from? Where do they get their perspective? Where do they get their experience? So a lot of that rolled into one. I, I think, Fred, I probably could have written three books instead of one. Uh, but I really didn't want to take the time to write three different books. Mm-hmm. 
But you could take three different topics, if you would, and, and kind of weave them into one book. Um, but as you said, it's a book about executive protection or what we sometimes refer to as close protection or even the bodyguard work. And it's about the men and women who do this kind of work. And I thought uh, it was most interesting, Mike, that you kind of broke it down into the client, the practitioner, the chief security officer, the global security chief, however you want to phrase that, and then the concerned. Uh, talk a little bit about that because I know from my own unique experience in dealing with that, uh, a lot of times these executive protection decisions or the desire to put together a team really originates from the concerned. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, when, you know, executive protection is either it's a required service or it's a requested service. So when it gets down to being requested, it's most often the concern who, who reach out to individuals uh, just to find information out about protection. Sometimes it could be a, a single trip, a foreign trip, maybe or an event or a, a speaking engagement. Uh, and that concern could be spouse, could be a family member, state managers, family offices, attorneys, executive assistants, all those individuals that are surrounding the principal themselves. So as I mentioned, it's a it's kind of a uh, a tight knit group. If you look at the you know the practitioners, the security managers, or the CSOs, uh, and then you know sometimes our new practitioners that get brought into this. So my thought was, if I was going to have a, a conversation, a, a fireside chat, if you would, I would gather these five different groups of individuals around, and we would sit and have a conversation about this topic. But I think a lot of the information, a lot of the questions. Uh, would come from those concerned family members that are around them. When you look at it from that perspective, there's a lot of questions to that need to be answered, and that allowed me to go a little deeper uh, into the subject, into the book. It seems at times that the rich and famous uh, or the the CEOs of your Fortune 500s, the, they do get bad advice. And And why do you think that's so? It seems to be a reluctance sometimes to reach out to what we would consider the experts in the field. I mean, there's there's a lot of companies out there now. If you look at the last 20 or 30 years, I mean, I've been in the industry for close to 35 years, and I remember myself, and you may remember this name, uh, Kobetz, uh, Richard Kobetz. He's probably one of the founders, if you will, of modern-day executive protection training. As you know, we lost uh, Richard last year. Uh, he passed away, but... You know, he was an individual responsible for training thousands of VP uh, professionals over several decades. I even attended one of his courses between uh, the military and the CIA. Uh, but up until maybe the last couple of decades, there haven't been that many companies or I would imagine sort of senior advisors out there to help these executives. And I think when a principal is thinking about a level of protection, they don't want to shout it too loud. And they stay kind of close within their network. And they may ask Oddly enough, sometimes it's an executive assistant or it is an estate manager that reaches out and will ask locally for information or assistance. It might start out with a special event. It might start out with a, a one or two day uh, foreign trip that they need some help on. So they start locally and usually those individuals will come in and provide a good service or they're good people, but they may not know the sort of the methodology, the reasons why we – all the different elements that go into close protection. They may not even conduct a, an assessment. They may just kind of simply do what the principal asks 
And to your point, Fred, the principal themselves don't even necessarily know what they need. So that kind of perpetuates, and it may go on for months or years before there's an event or there's frustration or anxiety about the principal because it's not being done right until finally somebody reaches out to maybe somebody with more experience or a company that provides these services uh, or maybe somebody who is retired that comes in as an advisor or what have you. And then things begin to kind of fall into place a little bit easier, a little bit better. Mike, and thinking about uh, all the years uh, of doing this kind of work, uh, when you look at your experience not only with uh, the military and and with the CIA, uh, I think uh, people are always mystified that uh, the CIA has protection personnel and exactly what they do and so forth. are you at liberty to discuss a little bit about how the CIA protects people? I, I can in a general sense. Um, you know, I do, as you know, this book was cleared by the um, uh, Publication Review Board by the CIA, and that took um, a little over a year. Uh, you're familiar with that as well. How well I know. <laughs> I know you are. So with that said, uh, yeah, there's some sensitivities to it. It's, it's not that it's a, a secret that the CIA has uh, – protection experts, whether it's in the U.S. or even overseas with our missions. Uh, when you come, when it comes down to the leadership of the agency, obviously the, the director of the CIA, the deputy director, and, and some others at times uh, obviously have a level of protection for them. Uh, it depends on the president or the particular administration, but sometimes this position is a cabinet-level official, uh, so they fall under that umbrella of the, of the cabinet. Uh, and if you look at times such as post 9-11, um, you know, the agency was at the tip of the sword in terms of that response uh, for several months. And um, you can imagine that would make the director and certain key individuals uh, a particular target. So as any protective detail might be for whether it's a government official or a, um, a corporate CEO, uh, the protection may vary in terms of number of people. Um, you know, the number of hours that may be committed to that, uh, whether it's a 24-7, all locations as needed. So, um, you know, I can't say that the director and those individuals and at that particular time, our detail was uh, was 24-7. We were in a different mode, if you will, post-11 and even pre, pre-9-11, where uh, the director and the deputy director's protection was probably about as high as uh, you can imagine if you take the president, the secretary of state, and a few other senior individuals, um, it would be at the highest level. Without a doubt. Uh, and I know you have a wonderful testimonial uh, in your book, The Protected, from uh, former DCI, former director of the Central Intelligence, George Tenet, where he says, Mike provides invaluable insights and intelligent perspectives into the world of personal protection, which remains a mystery to a lot of folks. And I I think that at times, uh, whether it be Hollywood or uh, the news media or just paparazzi pictures of uh, movie stars, I think there's so much that goes behind the scenes in putting together a protective detail and a basic threat assessment and so forth that uh, a lot of folks have no idea, do they? They really don't. And I'll be honest, Fred, that's a good point. When I first started writing this book, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's a couple hundred pages. A lot of these books are usually between two or three hundred pages. But it wasn't until I sat down and really started putting pen to paper or, or, or fingers to keyboard that I realized that there's a lot more involved in this. And even after being involved for more than 35 years, the complexity of executive protection is one that 
I think until you take take a few minutes and reflect, you realize how complex it is, not just from the practical application, like you said, assessments and all the different hard and soft skills that go into it, but it's also the the human aspects. I mean, this is a, a profession where it's one human providing protection for another human. And when you look at that, that's that in itself has complexities in it. Um, you know, sometimes we're too close. Sometimes we're not close enough. Sometimes we we say too much. Sometimes we don't say enough. It's it's a very complex profession, and it takes time to to learn those skills over over years. And a lot of lessons learned, a lot of mistakes. So you're right. I think people don't understand what goes into it. Um, and it's not for everybody. That's the other I think important thing about this book. I really wrote it just as much for the up and coming practitioners to understand what this industry is about, and you know give them insights to how much you're going to be away from your family, how many long hours you're sure. going to have. You're going to dedicate yourself to this as a profession. Uh, others will pay a price for that uh, to the point that when I worked with the CIA, I, I call those my lost years for the family. I spent more time with my agency family and my principal and his family um, more often than I did my own family. And I think a lot of people don't understand what goes into that. We'll get back to our conversation with Michael Trott about his book, The Protected, in just one moment. And if you're interested in reading The Protected, be sure to check out the links in our show notes or head to your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore. Just as this book addresses rapid changes in the global threat environment that challenge experts in the field of executive protection, our assessments at Stratfor Worldview keep you up to speed on the events that contribute to an increasingly complex international environment. Our analyst team tracks developments and forecasts the long-term implications for organizations and individuals alike. If you're not already a Stratfor Worldview member, you can register for free limited access or learn more about individual team and enterprise subscriptions at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. Now back to our conversation on the business of executive protection and how the landscape for client needs are changing. I think the the benefit of a book like this too, Mike, is that it's it's also a tool that could be used to educate uh, that next business leader or or billionaire that uh, has uh, uh, thinking about putting together a team uh, or or worried about uh, their significant other or their children at school and and so forth. So I think what you've done with the book too has done a great job of uh, articulating some of those kinds of challenges, especially when you start thinking about, you know, the intrusive nature of the kind of work that uh, you do and that I've done and so forth. Uh, it, it's really um, difficult to put those boundaries on at times and in, in those kinds of family dynamics and atmospheres. No, absolutely. That's part of the complexity. A lot of other books are written about the how, and those are very important books. Uh, I've taken the time to really focus more on what I think is really important for the principles, and that question is why. Why do I need this protection? Why does my family need this protection? And until you've really defined the why, you're really throwing darts at a board on, on your level of protection, and that gets frustrating in that you know sometimes the, the practitioners and the close protection professional is, to your point, they're too close to you as a principal, and you're frustrated with that. Or there's times when you look around, you don't see your close protection specialist and you're frustrated with that. And I'll, I'll dare say when I, when I go in and see these new details or these new programs, I can usually tell within about, honestly, just a few minutes 
whether or not they've had a risk and, and, and vulnerability assessment, because that helps the principal and everybody else understand why we're even doing this. And then the principal brief, I can tell you, I don't know how many principals have never had that all important principal brief. And that's where the detail leader or, or someone from the program sits down with the principal and says, this is how we're going to do this based on the findings. And you, you gather that level of understanding and acceptance by that principal. And once that conversation has had, then you're able to massage it over a period of, you know, weeks and months and years until it becomes a fine-tuned program. But if you don't have those open lines of communication, you don't have that principal brief, you've never done this assessment, you're really almost increasing the anxiety of the principal uh, more than you are giving him or her a peace of mind. I know one of the first questions that I typically would ask uh, anybody wanting to go down that path is, you know, help me understand why you think you need security and uh, and then begin with that baseline threat assessment. What's your view or assessment on that approach? It does start with the assessment. Um, I can remember a principal I had probably 15 years ago now, a very high profile uh, principal and sat down with him and his, his lovely wife. And the first question he asked me, and I just met him literally for the first time. And he says, Mike, what do you think my biggest risk is? And I said, I'll tell you what, sir, I have no idea. Uh-huh. Give, give me a couple of weeks and uh, we'll have this conversation again. And uh, I stepped away and over two weeks, uh, I did my own internal assessment of things. And I also brought in a, a third party, another company to do a uh, what we call a red cell or red team. And I gave them only the name and they took it from there. You know, from the uh, what was available through open source, through the dark web and different other means, surveillances. And um, they came back with me with their report. So I took their report and my report. And then I sat down with this gentleman and his wife and we had a, a very deep discussion about what I felt the risk was uh, and the overall threat and the vulnerabilities related to each one. And we literally, you know, went down the list one by one. And uh, he's a very dynamic principal and a lot of activities and you know, a lot of our principals we see today are are younger, if you will. We're seeing more and more billionaires that in the ages of 20s and 30s than we've ever seen. And, and they have a very dynamic lifestyle. And that creates a little more complexities, you know, in terms of their uh, their risk factors. And it may not be just security risk. It, it could be health risk. Uh, they travel a lot. They're involved with activities such as skydiving and kite surfing and other activities. And so we have to look at it from the medical perspective as well. And then, you know, they have young children and we look at social media and all the other factors that, that drive into privacy. And that's not just one assessment and it's done. As you know, you have to continue to do this just as you would a health checkup, you know, maybe once or twice a year. And that's another thing that I see if I go into details that's been around for a, a few years, I can tell they've, they've had one assessment when they started and they, they're not current uh, with the risk and the threats that maybe their principal faces or maybe those risks have decreased or even been eliminated, but they're still being provided a level of protection for a risk or threat that's not even present anymore. Mike's book is called The Protected, an informative and strategic view inside the world of executive protection. And you'll be able to get the book on all the usual formats from Mike's website to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and so forth. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today about your new book. Thanks again, Fred. I appreciate it. It's always a unique opportunity, especially in, a, in an audience like this, to, to share a little bit more about it and about the industry. And I give a shout out to the men and women who do this. So I appreciate that very much. 
Thank you for joining us for this conversation with Stratfor's Chief Security Officer, Fred Burton, and Mike Trott, author of The Protected. If you'd like to learn more about the book, you can visit www.theprotected.us. We'll include a link with details in the show notes, along with a link to Fred Burton's latest bestseller, Beirut Rules, The Murder of a CIA Station Chief and Hezbollah's War Against America. And if you're not already a Worldview member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise-level access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. And you can even register for free limited access to explore more of our work. If you have a question about this podcast or even an idea for the next one, you can email us at podcast at stratfor.com. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on the podcast page on iTunes or wherever you listen. We really appreciate your feedback. And for more geopolitical intelligence, analysis, and forecasting that reveal the underlying significance and future implications of emerging world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stratfor.